and welcome to the Psycho Studios podcast. My name is Mr. Z. We have Mr. W here. This is our first official podcast. Take it over, Mr. W. Thanks, Mr. Z. Um, not only are we co-hosts, but uh, you're rocking the producer chair, so thanks for those duties. And uh, we're coming to you from the desert, Phoenix, Arizona. And as Mr. Z said, this is our first episode. And uh, we are a father-son duo that will bring old school and contemporary schools together. We started a TV film production company in January of 2022. And this is an offshoot of that, which uh, will be more self-explanatory as we move our way through some more episodes. We focus on the horror genre with our production company. And uh, we are starting this awesome and entertaining podcast to speak to film, music, autos, some sports, wellness, have some commentary, practical life skills for sure, and headlines. And, and we want to leave politics at the door. Um, we'll, be enter- we'll be entertaining, insightful, and value add. We want to provide our listeners with a space where they can leave all that negative and foreboding news and weather behind and stop scrolling for about an hour and take a deep breath. We will share gratitude and appreciation of the little things. And one more housekeeping element, uh, we will be adding a newsletter as well. We are calling it Psycho Studios Presents The Sprinkler. Each chapter will be fun and entertaining and contain practical life skills to help our listeners in their day-to-day. This will roll out in the beginning of September, and we will be dropping this monthly podcast on the first of each month. The newsletter will follow a few days after each month. All right, we've uh, covered the basics. Let's start with one of our favorite quotes. All that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream, courtesy of one slightly twisted Edgar Allan Poe. From there, we're going to jump into headlines. So we've got Scottsdale, Arizona is banning grass lawns for all new homes. How about for all homes in the desert and businesses? Uh, And what about HOAs and churches? It's about the water. So speaking to that, I I feel like in Texas, how they do it the right way is that if you have any grass patches or any grass lawns, they actually will you know help your taxes at the end of the year if you switch it over to a desert landscape or even just dirt. Anything is better than having a grass lawn in Arizona or even Texas for that matter. Yeah, and it's funny that you say even dirt, and you're right, even dirt would be better. And it's it's just interesting how there is so much barking about the water and conserving it, which makes perfect sense. But then you see all this waste. We even see it here in Arizona where we'll be out driving on a sunny day and we'll be splashing through really large areas of water because of the overwatering of that grass. So not just watering, but overwatering. So hopefully we can adapt something like that in Arizona and get back to the fact that we do live in a desert. Well, and even with all that watering, uh, it doesn't make any difference. It still looks all dry. No, it does. It's like the nickname should be Patchy, the lawn. Yeah, no, that's a a great point too. So uh, coming out of the um, water update there or headline, let's talk about something that happened a long time ago uh, before Mr. Z was even um, 
taking his first breath. We're talking about the Tylenol dose suspect from the 1982 surreal tragedy. He is dead at 76 years old, last name Lewis. And he was really the prime suspect and ultimately the only suspect. We're talking uh, the Tylenol murders over 40 years ago, took seven lives and still remain unsolved today. And the tragic event changed safety standards for medication bottles and ultimately for most food packaging. As those bottles were tampered with, there was poison put in. And something for me to always have a hard time grasping onto when this broke when I was a kid is that those people just simply were buying Tylenol to cure some sort of headache or pain, and then they never woke up again. That's brutal news. One last thing I want to say about this, which makes it even more peculiar to bring it up about the Lewis character dying, is that he mailed a letter to the police before the news had broke to the public about the case, yet he was never convicted. Regarding film, let's, let's jump into that a little bit lighter side of things. Rotten Tomatoes listed their top 10 scariest movies, and, and that is the way it was worded. I had to do a double take to make sure I was reading that correctly. Let's start by saying, really? We could even insert, are you high? So I'm going to give you the list, Mr. Z, and I really would like your thoughts on this. We've got It from 2017, Insidious, Sinister, The Ring, The Conjuring, Hereditary, and then we, we, we look at some heavyweights there, I suppose, as well. Halloween from 78, Texas Chainsaw from 74, The Shining, and The Exorcist from 1973. What, what are your thoughts on those being the scariest? I, I think that uh, whoever wrote that was very narrow in his scope of his film history. I, I don't know who, you know, could say that they have a crisp top ten because there's so many horror movies out there to begin with. But I would think only three of those could you argue are actually like scary and horrifying, even at their time period. So I would just pick the three that I felt that were actual horror, or I should say the scariest which The Exorcist, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and and it would be Halloween, the original one, of course. And I, I've seen all those movies on the list, and yes, they're scary at some points, but definitely not in the top ten. What about you? Yeah, it, you know, and I, I like the way you put it. Really, you extracted the three I would have, not to be a copycat, but... Halloween from its time frame of 1978. Texas Chainsaw Massacre still holds up today. You watch that movie and it is just so visceral. And and definitely The Exorcist, right? I, it's my understanding, I think you mentioned it, that they're, it's either in the can or they're in post-production with The Exorcist, like a remake almost of the original because there's been so many sequels. But those were scary. When you think, think of those other movies, they might be in the horror genre, but scary other than creepy i would say sinister jumps out at me but the rest are simply not in what i could call the scariest of all time i mean where's wes craven's last house on the left right or even his hills have eyes you want to talk about scary and i know it's somewhat considered torture horror but how could you not even think about maybe the first hostile i mean the list could go on when you talk about scariest um, with that being said let's jump into some more film Let's talk reviews. So we're definitely going to be doing film reviews as we work our way through these episodes. 
being film buffs at the highest level. And all film reviews will be giving a score of 1 to 10, 10 being excellent. We realize movies are something we can't be right or wrong about. It's how the movie makes you feel. It's like music and books. It's what moves you. That being said, Mr. Z, tell us about the new Indiana Jones movie, Dial of Destiny. How are, how are you going to um, give us that as far as a scoring and then give us some feedback about how that movie was? Right off the bat, i got to throw out there just a dismal three. <laughs> dismal. And it's very unfortunate. You would think, you know, such a, I would say even a star cast, even the villain in that movie, he's played a great villain in other movies such as the rated R Wolverine movie that came out. And he, you know, he steals the show in the new Indiana Jones movie, but he's not in it that long. But to to get back to the main point was really that the movie only had a good 15 minutes, and the first 15 minutes is about Indiana Jones' younger years, and that's where they digitally made him look younger. And he did play a lot of those sequences as you know, being 81 years old, Harrison Ford, the action star. And it's reported that it was $50 million that they used to de-age him. And the movie right now as it sits is a flop. So I don't think I need to review it that much, but I think the the ratings around Tomatoes, we don't really care a lot most of the time, but in that suit, we do. Yeah, and that that's a great call. And I didn't see it, so I'm not going to, break it down like uh, Mr. Z did some great feedback there and it's interesting um, on a side note we talk about it could cost around 50 million um, towards the total budget of the movie to de-age that actor Mr. Ford and you think about in real life in the future that's probably what it's going to cost there'll be some sort of methodology or pill 50 million to de-age yourself in real life and it is unfortunate that the Dial of Destiny um, definitely should have uh, probably remained on the cutting room floor. Thank you for sharing that element about uh, the latest Indiana Jones film. And from there, we're going to look at a little bit of horror. So Insidious has a latest chapter out, The Red Door. And we're, we're talking about uh, you know a universe that has spanned so many movies. And, and they know what they're doing, right? The movies make money. I'm not a fan of those so-called like spirit or ghostly type horror movies and I'm just going to give it a brief um, element as far as I just thought the story itself was weak and um, the acting was almost cardboard like and I know Mr. Z has a little bit more depth on this based on Patrick Wilson but I'm going to give the red door maybe a three and that's a weak three at best and I'm going to give it a three as well and as you can kind of see the parallel, unfortunately, a lot of the new movies coming out are just following like this big formula, spend a little bit of money and hope that it's just this huge, huge box office hit. Or just like all the Marvel movies, they keep on putting like the same copy pasted thing out there and for some reason expecting a different result. It's really sad. But anyways, going back to Insidious, that movie, you know, I would say had maybe three elements in it that were pretty good and I was having high hopes seeing so it had Patrick Wilson as his first directorial debut however you want to say that you know sometimes I get tongue tied yeah debut it's French so don't don't say that to me <laughs> all right uh, 
And the biggest thing about that movie is that you go in there and you want to be creeped out or scared or spooky because it's a horror movie. There was one scene that jumped out and maybe would make you jump. That's it. Yeah, that was definitely, um, and, and, it, and it's my understanding, I didn't look at the latest box office on it, but I know it is a moneymaker again for that universe and, and those producers and the, the companies that are supporting the making of those films, but uh, I'm not knocking on that door again. And then we want to move into a couple of positive suggestions. So I have a couple of old school suggestions for some films, and these are going to be hidden gems that maybe our audience hasn't seen or maybe they haven't seen in a while. Two right out of the gate for me would be The Hidden. That's from 1987. It is slash, I guess, horror slash sci-fi with some action in it. Definitely a different take on it. Production values might not hold up that great, but it's an interesting concept. And if you're into horror, I think you'd be um, wise to give that a watch. And then out of the horror realm, we look at To Live and Die in L.A. from 1985. We're talking action, drama. We've got uh, Willem Dafoe and really, if not his first feature, one of his very first features, and he is brilliant in it as the so-called bad guy. And we'll pay a little homage real quick to William Friedkin. He directed To Live and Die in L.A., which has one of the top five chase sequences in Hollywood history. He also directed The Exorcist, so he had a very broad palette. And rest in peace to uh, Mr. Friedkin as he did pass recently. I want to bring my movie forward. Yes. And I obviously need to do a little bit more homework because I only brought one film to this podcast. But I definitely recommend, if you've not seen it, go check out Chinatown from 1974. And, of course, starring Jack Nicholson. And I would say out of this entire catalog, which I think he's been in quite a few movies, even. <laughs> yeah, just a few. Small roles to big roles. And... I would give this a, a 9 out of 10, going back to our scale, how we rate our movies. And I feel like it didn't make a lot of money. I mean, back then, seven, I want to say, no, it was $23 million, my mistake, that it made. And that, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot in today's standards. It was, you know, a decent amount then. But if you ask anyone now, they probably, what is that? Or they would think of maybe one of uh, John Carpenter's movies. And that's definitely not what we were talking about here. Yeah, there definitely was no big trouble in Little China for that one. Uh, and I definitely love that call out about Chinatown and Jack Nicholson. I mean, in his early days, he was thin, active, and had that certain look. He could just grin on the screen, and he had that charisma. And that movie is so interesting. It ties into our starting headline about the water conservation because it is about water in LA and how that was necessary to make LA a prosperous city and interesting enough that that was also mentioned in the offer if you've seen that series regarding the making of the Godfather they show a, a scene where uh, the creators are coming in and talking about making a movie about water conservation rights and pretty much getting laughed out initially um, but the movie has such depth it's pure acting and Nicholson is brilliant in that movie so that's a great shout out there son and nicholas or nicholson he's like covered up most of the movie he gets injured <laughs> yeah. and his like nose is covered with his giant bandage and then he's wearing glasses most of the entire movie so 
it's just funny you mentioned you know his looks but he is definitely covered up most of the movie no that that is funny and it's interesting too because there were so many parodies of it out after that movie came out for a few years and that movie is from the 70s and it was about nicholson and that injury so definitely give that a, a shout out uh to um, Jack from his early days and also for Mr. Z for bringing up a great suggestion for our audience. We're going to move into some more headlines. This one's making me hungry. At least uh, I could go for one right now, I'd have to say, is the Big Mac recently celebrated its 56th birthday. In 1967, the franchisee Jim Delgatti created this iconic sandwich. He was selling it for 45 cents. Ultimately, it became a menu item at all the McDonald's, and he came up with the idea because the Pennsylvania Pennsylvania steelworkers that would come into his restaurants, either he heard grumblings or he could just see it, that those regular small hamburgers and cheeseburgers weren't cutting it, and that led him to create the Big Mac, which we know has become unbelievably iconic. He didn't name it, though. That came by way of a young secretary named Esther Glickstein, who named the sandwich, and wasn't recognized for that for probably about 30 years after she named that. I think they wanted it to, everybody to assume it was Jim's idea. But the Big Mac, 56 years ago this year. I think that's incredible. And, you know, being 27 years old myself, it's hard to even fathom that something like that could even be around that long. And just think of that, the staying power of McDonald's. And that that's just one item. We're not even saying that's, you know, one of the original key items that they did sell. It's it's huge. And I just want to give a, a quick tip, by the way. If you are actually at McDonald's and want a Big Mac and want to save two bucks, well, just order yourself a McDouble and order it the McWay. I believe that's exactly the way you should say it at the drive-thru or, you know, inside these days. And you should save yourself two bucks that way. Does, it, does that mean that they'll make that sandwich with the same pretty much contents of the Big Mac? So the only thing that will be missing is the middle bun, but everything else would be the same way as the Big Mac. That, that's, that's outstanding, and, and that actually sounds better. And I know we definitely have a clock, right? We're trying to keep our podcast to around an hour. But I have to say real quick, when I was a kid, I was trying to explain to my parents when the Big Mac had come out, and it had been out for a few years at that time, how to make a Big Mac at home. And it was about that middle bun. And I wasn't explaining it properly. And I still can remember to this day being so frustrated that I went crying into the bathroom and locked the door while they ate dinner. And just, if you want to talk about bizarre re memories, um, it's Big Mac, it's iconic, and uh, definitely interesting, and salute to that staying power. And also the tip from Mr. Z about getting something a little bit cheaper and maybe even uh, tastier. We're going to move into some sports, and we'll primarily be speaking um, about the Green Bay Packers when you talk about details, but we'll sprinkle in some Milwaukee Bucks, some Milwaukee Brewers, ultimately NBA and M MLB. I'm born and raised in Wisconsin, so that is the slant from the Wisconsin sports scene. And Mr. Z has adapted to and maybe even adopted uh, really focusing on the Green Bay Packers and watching the regular season games religiously. So it should be interesting as we work our way out of the training camp and preseason time and into the regular season. Jordan Love taking the helm from departed Aaron Rodgers. I mean, who hasn't heard that story? I think they've heard that story in Bangladesh. 
with Ro- with Rodgers leaving for the Jets, we have Love, big kid, big arm, about 6'4", 220, quick feet, and a real cool demeanor, comes across real professional. It should be interesting to see how he takes off after sitting on the bench and watching Rodgers for three seasons and picking his brain. They have a talented young roster, exciting to watch, and random note about Love, he has huge hands. Yeah, you heard me, Mr. Z. He has huge hands. Favre was always known as having really big hands. If you research the old NFL period when Favre was first starting, and then even Rodgers, when he took over the helm, it was the same thing, really big hands. But Love actually has hands bigger than either of them, which, of course, as a quarterback, are going to come in handy. And, Mr. Z, do you know what they say about guys with big hands? Yes, of course. Big grip. (laughs) Just a a quick thing real quick. I remember being younger, obviously, and Brett Favre was still the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, and he had broken his thumb. And I remember they kept on making such a big deal about it, and they were showing his hands on the field. Like, they, for some reason, were, like, zooming in big time. But they just want to make sure that you understood his hands are so big that even having a broken thumb, he could still just launch that ball no matter what. It was just such a funny thing. And to go back onto that, Aaron Rodgers is now on the Jets, just like Brett Favre was, I should say, not is. And it's going to be great to see the Green Bay Packers and the Jets play side by side and see like if Aaron Rodgers was indeed the problem or if it's just the Green Bay Packers as a whole. Yeah, that, that's a great shout out there. A great memory about Favre. And they did. I remember that vividly. They would zoom in on it uh, and, and like it was some severe medical condition. But hey, remember, he's got these big hands that'll compensate for it. Ultimately, it did lead to him. I think, I think he still holds the record for consecutive starts for a QB. So he did work his way through that pain. And that is a call, call out about uh, the fact that Rodgers has really paralleled now Favre with not only leading the Packers and winning a Super Bowl, but also moving into the Jets. So it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds this season. We'll have more on that as we work our way into the regular season, which kicks off on the weekend of the 10th and 11th, with that Thursday night before the weekend of the 10th or 11th being the official first start of the season. From there, we're going to move into a few more headlines. Um, Let's talk about actor Allison Mack, famous for her long-tenured role on Smallville as well as her short stint on the show Wilfred. She's out of prison. And why was she there? Well, she was convicted based on having sex slaves and branding them and rounding them up for a cult. And that was the Nexium cult, led by one Rainier. And I believe for a while there he was just going by one name. And trust me, he was no prince. We think about the fact that she's out of prison for something like that after just three years, and that is because she spilled the beans on Rainier. And ultimately, I find some irony there on a small scale that she played the crazy girlfriend in Wilfred. And yeah, she was just a little crazy in real life. But we were talking about sex slaves and branding. And just to think that she would only spend three years in prison is pretty astonishing. Moving out of Allison Mack, we're going to go to another cultist that is getting out of prison, and this time it's on parole. 
and that would be former Manson cult, cultist Leslie Van Houten. She's 73. She was recently granted parole, and she's been up for parole for years, but always denied it. Ultimately, she was granted parole this year, and it's like, really? Time passes, but not for the victims' families and friends. The Tate and LaBianca murders rocked this country in 1979, some saying it was the end of the innocence, especially in the United States. Leslie and another cult member held Rosemary LaBianca down while Tex Watson stabbed Rosemary to death. After Tex was finished, Leslie proceeded to stab Rosemary 14 more times. And she's paroled? Yeah, it's just, it's crazy to me that there's people in prison or jail that have done way less crimes and they probably will never see the light of day but someone like her that was involved in just heinous things truly and you just wish that someone like that couldn't see the light of day but here we are look at the conversation we're having yeah bizarro times and when the manson cult along with charles manson himself were Convicted and put into prison, California did have the death penalty. Ultimately, a few years later, they repealed the death penalty across the state, and that allowed all those cultists to spend the rest of their lives behind bars, with some of them being eligible for parole. Very, very sad times. Rest in peace, Sharon Tate, and all the others that were impacted by that terrible tragedy. Let's switch back to something a little bit lighter. More sports. We do have... NFL training camps well underway, preseason games again kicking off this weekend as we await the regular season. This is the 104th NFL season, almost double the length of time that the Big Mac has been out. The NBA season tips off this October, and I do have to give a shout-out to a big welcome rule change for the NBA, and that is the flopping call, where the players that are flopping like fish out of water are going to get called basically like a foul, and hopefully that'll clean that element up. Any thoughts about the upcoming NFL season, Summit? Excited for it? I'm very excited. Definitely see the Packers and the Jets, of course, play. And circling back to the NBA piece about the ruling, I know that sometimes in the NFL, you know, if you be so dramatic, they do throw a flag. But I really think they really, really need to crack down on that because it seems like every play, if the ball does not drop into their hands the right way, they're already like, where's the flag? It is a sport that should be just played. It's a hard sport. People are going to get hurt in that. But it should not be uh, the flag. That's the big thing. I feel like flags have been too drastic in changing games lately. It's it's a great call. It's something that just you, you almost gave me a late ball moment there. Something I, I think I about basically throughout the season. And, yes, the flags. It's also the NFL players and just complaining, most of them, after every time there is a flag. Sometimes you are going to make a mistake, and it can't be that every flag is contested either. So we'll look forward to the new season, and it does give us some interesting perspective as we follow two teams closely. That would be the Jets and the Packers. We do live in a desert, but heck, we don't have to say much more than just say Arizona Cardinals. Let's switch to another passion of ours, and that is music. So let's speak to rock and roll, which is the predominant genre we will talk about. For Mr. Z, he definitely has more varied or broad tastes in music, and that's that's really a cool thing for me. Definitely more narrow and more 
about the rock and roll throughout the decades from the 60s up till now, if we can say that. And I know some of the groups that we have landed on recently talking about, Queens of the Stone Age, Avenged Sevenfold, Foo Fighters, and then recently Mr. Z was dropping some Stone Temple Pilots, which really took me back. What are your, your thoughts about those amazing groups that maybe other than the Foo Fighters might not be in the spotlight and what that means to current rock and roll? Well, I just want to start out, I definitely, yes, the majority listen to hard rock or rock and roll as the kids say. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I like that. And I really do open my horizon to listen to other music just because it seems like rock and roll is slowly dying off or not slowly, it's been dying off for I would say, you know, a couple decades now. But thankfully, we still have some new releases like from Godsmack or the Foo Fighters or even Event Sunfold. And it's so tragic. Like, Event Sunfold and the Foo Fighters both lost their drummers. And just this past year in March, the Foo Fighters lost their drummer. And Dave Grohl also lost his mother. And they still put out an album this year. And music can be anything to anyone and it can mean endless possibilities and I think that's what's so special about that same with the media just like movies all that different viewpoints but I think that's what really brings us together I think it's great that we're still having from some of my favorite artists I know same with Mr. W but goodness that I'm glad that Godsmack Foo Fighters even Royal Blood and September 1st are going to have a new album out. Definitely looking forward to Royal Blood. You know, Mr. Z turned me on to them a few years ago, and almost an eclectic rock song sound to them, especially the, the album that um, he had shared with me, and I'm really looking forward to see what does that new stuff sound like. Are they still going to keep that rock and roll bass moving? So definitely some good stuff there. Queens of the Stone Age. If our audience isn't familiar with that group and you dig music of any kind, you've got to give that a listen. It's a very interesting mix between vocals and lyrics and different sounds. Not your classic or traditional rock group, but definitely, as Mr. Z said, what would we, where would we be without music? It moves us, and hopefully you're enjoying it. A couple of old rock suggestions I have for the audience is Rat, Kingdom Come, and even Fastway. We're talking about rock groups that maybe don't see the highlights that Motley Crue and other groups from that time, even towards the end of the 80s, such as Guns N' Roses. But give them a listen. I think you'd be surprised. Anything you want to throw out there, Mr. Z, for any suggestions for the audience? Well, definitely mark your calendars for the new Royal Blood album that's coming out September 1st. And I know the new Event Stoneful album is definitely not going to be for everyone. It's very artsy and if you listen to interviews with M Shadows you're definitely going to hear definitely was heavily influenced by drugs I definitely would if you have not listened to it yet the Foo Fighters album definitely very sad but definitely on the nose and the times that we're currently in yeah definitely well put Foo Fighters um, and couple that uh, album from this uh, year with the fact that they did have that tragedy with the passing of the drummer. Check out their movie that they produced, Studio 666, and you'll have quite a good combination of film and music. 
as Twisted Sister belted out back in the day, I want to rock. We'll move into a little bit of wellness. So we'll just touch base real quick on wellness. And we will be speaking to wellness in our newsletter more than we would in our podcast just because it is a visual medium type piece. So we are going to drop links in there. We want our podcasters or our listeners to really take care of themselves. It sounds cliche. You know, there's been a lot of talk about well-being and wellness, especially when the pandemic hit and post-pandemic, but it's one of those things to take serious, to take care of ourselves. And it can be something as simple as breathing exercises. There's different breathing techniques, and it's one of those things that can bring a calm to your day or a calm when you're running through something stressful. We'll definitely drop some links in the newsletter when that rolls out at the beginning of September. And reminder that it's called the sprinkler. But it's one of those things where taking care of yourself, whether you're male, female, young, old, no matter what demographic you come from, we shouldn't be embarrassed to talk about our wellness and we should definitely take care of ourselves. It is from even from the standpoint of the little years that I've been on this planet to see how it's so hard even for my friends, mainly males, it's so hard for them even to speak of how they feel because they feel like that it's inappropriate or wrong of them to express themselves. And I could say in the early years of my life, I felt the same way. Even speaking to parents, I find to be very difficult, especially about your feelings. If you can't speak to your friends, most of the time you're not going to be able to speak to your parents. But I hopefully with our newsletter and speak on the podcast sometimes about mental health, definitely on physical health. Because me, working out every day, even if it was just for 30 minutes, I'm telling you, it is a game changer of your wellness. You, you just you feel lighter. Yeah, and that's a great point, right? Even when we're not feeling it, some sort of physical activity, Mr. Z definitely is knee-deep in the consistent working out, and it shows, but some sort of physical activity on a consistent basis it's amazing how that can break us out of a funk. So great stuff there. Look forward to some more elements of that and some more details as we work our way out of this first episode and into the first chapter of the newsletter. We're also going to hit on practical life skills. We'll be speaking to many value-add skills, practical applications, and tips that can help save money, assist with life challenges, and include tips on cooking from our resident chef, Mr. Z. The bulk of these life skills will be in our newsletter and contain details that really help our listeners. I would like to say one of the first things we will cover is customer complaints, including restaurants, online merchants, in-person shopping, as well as service industry challenges. With the cost of everything, even if things were cheap, it's not right if something isn't serviced or delivered or given the quality that the expectations are basically presented from the seller. And we shouldn't have to take it up the tailpipe. So we've definitely got some unique perspectives on that that can save money or even have money refunded. Using our voice can make a difference and ultimately put dollars back in our pocket. And there is such a, a big stigma. You feel like that you can't stick up for yourself or communicate to a restaurant or a place of business. But it's their job. You should be able to confront them and speak on how you feel or be able to return something. So I think that 
if we can shed even a little bit of light on that, hopefully helps someone out there be able to improve just a little bit of their life and we'll see how much better that truly is for you. It's a great call out and we talk about, you know, confidence in doing something like that. That I know that can be something that even when we link it to wellness and that, you know, we don't want to upset the apple cart, but what's fair is fair. And I think if more of this country was consistent with that, a lot of businesses would either have to change their ways or get out of business. Let's really quick talk about uh, the fact that you, Mr. Z, rock a really amazing cast iron skillet steak recipe. Uh, those steaks, I can every time you make one, I can smell it and taste it for days in such a positive way. Can you tell us about your simple but amazing steak method? Well, I to start with, it's the cast iron. You got to have a good cast iron skillet. And I think if you in your arsenal do not have a cast iron skillet, you got to pick one up. They come on different shapes and sizes. And just get your basic 12-inch skillet. Treat it right. Even if you rust it up, it can be saved. That's what's so great about these. And they could last for centuries, really. I saw a video on YouTube of someone restoring one that was like 100 years old. <laughs> wow. That, that really is intense. And just cook the steak on it on an icy ocean he did (laughs) of course it wasn't big enough that he had to restore the really old cast iron but anyways back to the point so you could cook any kind of steak in the cast iron but you want to start with having it out at least an hour an hour beforehand so that it can get to good room temperature and you want to add salt and pepper to it not too much pepper because pepper will burn because we want to sear the steak first so from an hour to the pan so we want to put a high heat oil onto the pan which is what I use is avocado oil then you want to sear each side for about 30 seconds and then from there you turn off the heat add three stable three tablespoons of butter some garlic and some thyme and you just baste that until you hit your right temperature that you're looking for. And trust me, you won't need the heat continually to make it to the right temperature. It's fascinating to watch you make that. Not only does it taste great, but it's the whole process of making it once you put those steaks into that hot oiled pan and then just the the paste that you're cooking it with and like you said, basting it. And it is so worth the effort. And ultimately, it doesn't really take that long as long as you have the proper cast iron skillet as well as the other ingredients and it's interesting I, I wasn't aware about pepper burning but that that does make sense so that's another good tip to the audience so I can smell that steak now looking forward to one for the football season well speaking of burning make sure that you do turn off the heat or way lower the heat because I have unfortunately splattered butter mm. all over my arm and it uh, definitely does not look pretty Kind of looks more like my uh, favorite horror character icon, if you will, Freddy Krueger on my arm. <laughs> I, th- I that's a great point. I think it really did look a little bit like Freddy's face, and I didn't want to say anything at the time because I know how much it hurt. Great stuff there, and uh, definitely making uh, myself very hungry. Let's jump in a little bit of commentary as we work our way through the end of this first episode of the Psycho Studios podcast. We've got a four-year-old girl who was burned from a four-piece chicken McNuggets 
the family was awarded $800,000 recently. Um, this was in a Florida court. Harkens back to the original lawsuit that really started the buzz about this back in the day with McDonald's and hot coffee. That was from 1994 when $2.7 million was awarded to the individual who burned themselves on what? Well, it was because the coffee was hot. I mean, what the F is that about? So just thought that was an interesting connectivity piece. Again, we're not here to promote McDonald's, but there's been some interesting headlines that are related to that massive chain. I, I for one, I have not had McDonald's really in a really long time. If anything, it's just the breakfast. But I can never imagine picking up a hot coffee and it, you know, it would be hot. That's pretty crazy. Well, and then that, that the girl burned herself with the chicken McNugget. I, I cannot even imagine what was behind that story because the nuggets, I guess it was on her leg, and I, I don't think nuggets are supposed to go on your leg. And when you get them hot, they do have to cool a little bit. Come on, you, you might have missed your mouth when it dropped because <laughs> okay. it was so hot. She dropped it no, in her you, leg. Okay, you just, you, now you sound See, like I'm you're, the detective. Yeah, you're the defense attorney as well. Good stuff there. And, and in our neck of the woods, an iconic mall, Fiesta Mall, to be exact, is being raised. Funny how raised is, in this context, means blowed up. The mall was opened just before Halloween in 1979, and it's sad to see. When Mr. Z and I head to the Dutch Brothers or in and out that are on the mall pad, it has been haunting to see that transformation from a once thriving mall to a dying retail entity and ultimately a pile of metal, brick, and steel. America's malls have been in decay. When Amazon started out in 1994 basically as an online bookseller, the mall owners and the landscape for retail shopping could never have predicted their demise. Going back to Fiesta Mall, it, it's really sad. Somewhere that I definitely grew up going to almost all the time. And right across from the mall was a Harkins Theater. That was closed down first. MCC bought it, thankfully, and did some good use of it. But this mall has been just sitting there, decaying away, and it's filled with asbestos. So now they have to use tons and tons of water every day that they're tearing down little by little, spraying every piece that they're tearing down. And how they're tearing down the mall too, they're starting from the back where the parking structure is, and they're actually moving to the other side. And as, as we speak, they've actually branched out through the other side where the Sears was. And they're going to keep doing that. They're going to start from the back and push to the front. Such a bizarre time to be living, I could tell you. It's a great way to put it. It definitely is bizarre times. And that's why we challenge our listeners to really live in the moment, think about today, and do the best we can each day. And it's interesting how you threw that out there about the asbestos and the the excessive use of water, how building something like that in the 70s is now basically affecting water conservation in the desert. So sorry to see it go, but hopefully it'll be converted into something that's less of an eyesore and something that can actually help people or give people a space to live. We're also going to touch base on automobiles, and it'll vary. We might not hit every topic every episode, but we just want to make sure the audience is aware of the different elements we'll hit on. We're definitely automobile enthusiasts, and uh, we'll talk autos, right, including Jeeps and 4 by 4 Mr. Z has a really sweet Jeep and loves his 4 by 4 and we'll share tips and tricks in our newsletter to help you through the challenges of vehicle ownership 
including maintenance, appearance, and buying and selling even. Here are some classic muscle cars we love in no particular order. Any Mustang with a V8 and a stick. Hemi Cuda. Any Corvette. I don't know if Mr. Z is completely on board with that, but I've always been, I mean, I was raised to love a Corvette. I know another one of his favorites is the Pontiac GTO in mine. I don't care what year GTO it is, I would take one. Any Chevelle SS. How about Camaros with a V8 and a stick? prior to 1982, early Trans Ams, and let's not forget the classic Dodge Challenger RTs of yesteryear. Want to speak to any of those autos that tickle your fancy and the fact that uh, we called out stick shifts there, Mr. Z? Well, I got to say, I grew up driving stick, and driving stick really kept me out of trouble because all the focus that you really have to be looking on the road and not stall it. That at first might seem challenging, but I, I still drive stick to this day because that's how much I do love it. And I still think it does keep me out of trouble. Even if the car has 300 horsepower plus, I think that it's everyone should start out learning stick. It really does help you. It's it's a great call out there, and it's, it's really a dying breed of people out there that know how to drive stick. I always think back, and this is probably just me being older, but I always put it so elementally that, okay, you're at a party, bunch of people, bunch of cars, and somebody gets injured, and you need to get them quickly to the urgent care, and the vehicle blocking the driveway has a stick shift, and nobody knows how to drive that stick shift. Well, if it's in the driveway, then you can just put it the e-brake down and let it roll. <laughs> right. Put so, it. They might not even know how to put it in a neutral load. They'll probably have to do a YouTube video. And, and we know that most auto manufacturers – either have very few vehicles that even have a stick anymore, at least for sale in the United States, or none at all. And uh, we definitely challenge everybody. Heck, even if you have to check out a Craigslist ad and look for a car that has a stick and try to test drive it that way, it's not as hard as it you would think it would be. Like Mr. Z said, it definitely is a challenge, especially at first, and it keeps you focused. But the other thing it does is if you're really into automobiles, it puts you in tune with that vehicle. Like you're shifting those gears, and you can feel it, and there's just there's no substitute for that. Even paddle shifters and that, which are cool, um, the stick shift is definitely one of those things that is going bye-bye or has for the most part. But we look forward to exploring more things about automobiles. In the newsletter, we'll definitely be hitting up about some basic maintenance stuff. Mr. Z is not only... A chef but he is also an auto mechanic and really um, almost a renaissance man when we're talking about 2023 yeah I basically have uh, the ability to try to take on anything and sometimes I fail at it but hey gotta try at least once and I just want to speak to you know being attuned with your cars we have two Mustangs and if anyone knows about the era of the 2005 to the 2010 Mustangs the Istomic clusters don't work like they'll just for some reason just spin off and not tell anything accurate and so as of lately both have taken a crap and that's how the speed and I don't think I've ever even looked at you know when you should shift I just listen to the car it's always been that way I've never looked at the rev limiter anything like that but it's just funny if you really are a car enthusiast or you're in tune with the car and you're driving a stick you would have no problem even driving the right speed limit. You just, it's just 
by feel. And it is a great point. It is by feel. And uh, thanks for bringing up that pain point about those darn clusters because there's there's a, another word I'd like to use, and it would be cluster and then an F. But, uh, yeah, we'll be replacing both of those. And when I say we, I mean Mr. Z. We're fortunate enough to live in the valley where there is kind of an old-school shop that deals with speedometers, tachometers, and the RPM piece. And they're so friendly, like beyond <laughs> friendly. So they're old school in good ways, and then they're also old school in bad ways where every time you call them, they're just angry. And that's that's another one of those things that we'll talk about from a customer service standpoint, even how to deal with places like that, right? And it's, you know, I know we talked about integrity and principle and wanting to be treated correctly, but sometimes you just have to bite the bullet to get something done. Especially if you're doing something so specialized like that. You just got to really grin and bear it. <laughs> I'm just thankful they're not our uh, primary care physician, that's for sure. So definitely look forward to uh, the automobile angle of things as well. We uh, tackle that consistently, whether it's mechanical or it's appearance, and we can definitely provide a lot of tips. And we're also really good at the, hey, I need to sell my used car and I need to find another one. We recently had an experience with Mr. Z and a vehicle that was sold and then he found another one and it's amazing how much money you can save. It takes time and it takes some diligence and research but when you look at how much the average new vehicle is we're definitely going to be promoting buying used and smart ways to do that. Let's uh, wrap this Virgin episode of Psycho Studios podcast up with a few light-hearted elements. Mr. Z and I were at our local Home Depot the other day, and we talk home improvement in our newsletter too. He, Yes, he is that well-rounded handyman as well, so get used to the fact that uh, it, does Mr. Z know how to do everything? Well, if he doesn't, like he said, he will try it, and he doesn't mind failing if it can help him learn, so that's definitely a lesson for all of us, including myself, to adhere to. But in the middle of that parking lot at Home Depot, it was a hot summer day, and we spotted these oddly unique to the desert plants off to the side in a small patch of swampy gray dirt. And I, and I kid you not, like if I hadn't seen it, I wouldn't have believed it, but it literally was that blackish gray dirt. If you've ever been around a swamp or maybe an old pond, it's almost like muck. And then these, they're, they're the plants that were growing out of it, they looked a lot like what's called a sweet flag which is a common swamp plant. And I saw those growing up, believe it or not. That's how I'm kind of a little bit acquainted with swamping, with the fact that the city, and more specifically the neighborhood I grew up in, had been a swamp and then was filled in by the contractors or builders without letting people know until a few years later. And so there was a remnant of swamp off to the side. And I just I simply can't believe that that plant and that almost little swamp ecosystem was right there in the Home Depot parking lot. To me it looked like a giant onion stalk. I've never I've never experienced a swamp. I've never been around one, so I saw a fake one in Disneyland once, but <laughs> I couldn't tell you what that was. It just was very odd definitely to experience something like that. Well, and it's funny that you said that about the, the onion because if you, and I didn't want to disturb those plants, but if you do grab those plants from the base and pull up and they pop out of the, the ground, 
the bottom of it does look like it looks like a a, a modified scallion. So definitely some interesting things, and and we'll we'll speak to some fun things like this too. It's the simple things, right? And then one day recently, tying into that Fiesta Mall area where we have seen that mall being demolished, as well as our watering hole Dutch Brothers and In and Out. But we were we're driving towards that the other day, and right outside of that parking lot, there's um, a sign. Um, re really, you can tell it's printed at home, and it's lost pet time, and it's posted right underneath the stop sign. And in bold print, right, it's got all the other normal things you'd see for a lost pet, along with the picture of that pooch. But it says lost dog. And then right after that, equally bold, don't chase. Maybe you can help me out with that one because I, I can't understand what they're doing there. I would say that that sign was probably around 20 miles long everywhere in every neighborhood. And it was, it was like neon paper that it was like printed on. It was and, neon. And I couldn't even tell you, like, wouldn't that be the first instinct that you would want to try to get that dog to safety, you know, to its owner? But I, I don't know. I still think about all the signs that I've seen that are posted and Sometimes I don't know what goes through people's heads. Yeah, and it, it's perfect, right? Lost dog, don't chase. And we get it. Maybe that dog is skittish, but it just, it was one of those oxymorons. It's like jumbo shrimp, right? And it started there probably back in the day. But uh, it's it's sometimes it's the, the humor of humans, as it were. And I know we are overly observant. That's one of those things that leads us to doing a podcast and a newsletter. And we hope to provide fun as well as value and uh, mr z anything you want to give a shout out to our listeners as we wrap up the first episode of psycho studios podcast a shout out i'm not sure what you mean by that no that's fine that's fine as, as a shout out I, I just a couple things um that we could um, do at the end of each podcast and we've talked about this is like a takeaway so my takeaway today from our first podcast is hey guess what it is our first podcast and we're going to continue to improve about upon this with both our delivery and our content we know it's going to be well-rounded and we're learning as we go but we want to keep it real i think mr z likes to use the word authentic we want it to be conversational and know that the things that we're running across can definitely be things that you can take a little break from the, the madness and either gain some knowledge or just have a little fun. So I guess I wouldn't use the word shout out. But <laughs> My bad. A, a few things that I would like to say is that I'll have Mr. W read it off, but we have our email and we're going to have a website up and running very shortly. And I would definitely like people to reach out to us if they have any questions or they want to suggest anything for us to cover. I definitely like interaction with people and that's it's important to me uh, to connect on a human level and i think that may really make us stand out a little bit different than other podcasts or newsletters is that we also are listening to what people have to say i think that's a great call out if you want to call it a takeaway shout out was probably used in the wrong context but i'm learning so i appreciate that it is about the human element right we we are we want to connect and it's not lip service and it's not TikTok. it's we really do want to connect and 
as Mr. Z said, we do have our email, and we will consistently read our email and reply. And that email address is psychostudios66 at gmail.com. Again, that's psychostudios66 at gmail.com. As Mr. Z said, our website will be going live soon, and we will drop that website address for the audience as well. And that's where our news newsletter will be accessible along with other links and interesting tidbits. And we will keep our audience in the loop as well about the different film projects that we're working on. And we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to our first episode. And we definitely want to say be safe and stay psycho.